is up everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackballed it's been a bit of a crazy week um i have learned something over the past five days and that is never underestimate the potential stupidity of a political operative or politician from alberta I am floored by the brazen, the brazenness, I guess I would say, of some of the people that I am dealing with in this P-gate story. I didn't think that I would find myself, if you asked me a year ago, um, chasing down people to ask them questions about urinating on someone else's property, but here we are. And then I started to notice something, but before I, I get into what I noticed, let me just like bring you up to speed on this pgate urinator mike turingo says he hired convoy lawyer brendan miller to sue david wallace um for some reason that reminds me of the headline in the weird al yankovic movie uhf when he said something to the effect of lesbian nazi hookers abducted by ufo aliens and forced into weight loss clinics that pretty much sums up how i feel about alberta politics and I came to a conclusion recently, and I mentioned this on the first uh, episode that I did last week with David Wallace, where we talked about the need for some people to sort of complete a ruse, to, to, to just send people down on a wild goose chase and to try to get them to maybe say something publicly that is defamatory or libelous. I don't know if that's happening here. I know it doesn't matter because of the receipts that I have, which we'll get into into when we start the show with my guest tonight. Um, he will be here shortly. His name is David Wallace. David Wallace, as you know, is a uh, former political fixer turned whistleblower who has kind of blown the lid off of the cesspool known as Alberta politics. And inside the Klondike Papers, which is a dossier of the communications that David Wallace had with several business and political contacts over the last, say, half decade or so, paints a picture that is not very lovely for voters in Alberta, but happens to be the political reality when you take a look under the hood. The ecosystem inside Alberta is a bunch of people who are connected in conservative circles, in business, in law, and in this particular case, inside the peripheral of cults like the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. The players are, there's, there's a lot of crossover players between the uh, people who do the dirty work for the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church and people who do things for um, the Conservative Party. And you can enter the Western Standard and other publications like that that sort of carry the water for the people that live inside this ecosystem. And... We are here now to try to make sense of the developments that have taken place in the last three days, which include things that are just kind of truly on the side of being bizarre. And with us, to help us unpack all of this new and ridiculous information is the one and only David Wallace. David, how are you, buddy? Not too bad. My computer just uh, shut off on me just as I was doing the intro. You were doing the intro, so I'm rebooting it now. Okay, no problem. Did you plug it in? <laughs> That's probably what's wrong, right? Uh, David, can you tell me as a political fixer, sorry, I got a weed um, lozenge stuck on my tooth. Um, for someone who is a political fixer, 
Can you give me any type of strategy uh, that one might use to sort of take the heat off someone else, but then place it so much on themselves that they look kind of Trumpian by the time they get under that light, or by the time they get out from under that light? What no, would motivate is- somebody to, to sort of fall on their sword when they don't seem to have to? Well, um, you got me beat. I've never seen anything like it. It's, uh, it's some kind of strategy. It's, uh, it's genius, but I've got the feeling that there might be a team of monkeys behind the scenes banging away on the typewriter with this one. Can't figure it out. Yeah, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You stupid monkey. That is a macaroni quote. Um, okay, so let me, let me sort of set the scene a little bit here. There has been communications. First, I, I, I called Jonathan Dennis. It was like three or four days ago. I talked to him for a couple minutes. Mostly he was like, how did you get this number? Who gave you this number? And uh, I didn't say anything, but in my mind, I'm like, the Klondike papers <laughs> gave you this number. Um, and he said, I want, I want these emails in writing, these questions that you have for me, I want them in writing. So I said, okay. So I sent him, I think it was four or five questions. And when I sent him those questions, I made sure that the questions that I was asking were the kinds of questions where, uh, you know, I could shed some light on the, um, the things that happened with David's house after he blew the whistle. And just to keep everyone up to speed, just really quickly, David was hired to go out west by these political operatives when he was promised work out there. He did the Nenshi job. He was hired to do the Richard Marsh job. Um, The Richard Marsh job is basically the the straw that broke the camel's back and prompted David to blow the whistle on all of the people who hired him in Alberta to to play political tricks and to uh, do investigative work. And... One of those people, Jonathan Jonathan Dennis, is the former attorney general. When David was evicted from his apartment after he blew the whistle, his items were still there, and there was a court order saying that he had 30 days to pick up his stuff. Instead, Jonathan Dennis, as reported by uh, his landlady and by the person purporting to be Mike Turingno, Turingno, who, uh, uh, who has been emailing me, and we'll get to that in a second, both said that it was Jonathan Dennis that picked up the stuff. Uh, Mike Torigno then said that uh, Jonathan Dennis had nothing to do with what happened next, which was urinating all over those items, including his children's toys. And we would like to also add that out of the items that were missing from um, David's house was also the ashes of his um, deceased child. Now, this is where it gets a little weird and I can't tell if they are playing some sort of weird trick. If they think they're smart, if they want us to just look, say, Hey, look at them. They're clearly getting away with something. I am not sure, but here's the pattern. I have all the receipts. I showed some last time on the podcast, but I really just want to talk this out this time because it, 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 it is much easier to explain than somehow than sometimes the pictures will do it justice. But what's been happening is that I've been sending questions to Jonathan Dennis and they have been answered by someone uh, purporting to be Mike Turigno. It is literally impossible, whether the law would back me up on this or not. I, I, I am telling you, my viewers, that it is impossible that uh, anybody else would be able to tip off Mike Turigno about these questions. So I asked Jonathan a question, uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, I you know, we, I had been sending emails and they'd be getting answered by Mike Trigno. One of the emails was, hey, are you aware of any financial compensation that the landlord may have received during uh, David's tenancy and or the eviction process that was happening? Only to Jonathan Dennis. I didn't talk about it with anybody else. I didn't send the email to anybody else. And wouldn't you know it, 28 minutes later or so, Mike Trigno answers uh, the person that paid the landlord was such and such. And we're going to get to that in a second. I mean, and this has happened three times, four times now where I asked Jonathan Dennis a question and 20 minutes later or an hour later, whatever it is, Mike Trigno answers. And then, so I, I decided to call 
Mike Trigno on this. And I'm just like, you know, it's pretty, you know, is there, should I just talk to you <laughs> instead of Jonathan? And, um, you know, he didn't really answer. And then I sent another question to Jonathan Dennis. And then Mike Trigno gets back to me again with the answer. And then Mike Trigno decides to tell me that he hasn't talked to Jonathan Dennis in a month. And that was the last email that I got about 10 minutes before going on air. Um, I actually asked Mike Trigno, uh, are you saying it is just a coincidence that every time I send Jonathan Dennis a specific question, you answer that specific question within an hour of me asking Jonathan, come on. And he said, I haven't talked to him in a good month. Now, pretty sure that's not the truth. I um, they wouldn't know the truth if it bit them on the ass. Well, this is the thing. Okay, so I've been talking to people inside that ecosystem of shit, pus, dirt, and filth. Um, that is the Alberta political system. And I have contacts that swim in that soup that have been bitten by the sharks that swim in that soup. And and you know who my sources my sources are. My sources are pretty deep into all of this stuff that's happening. And what they tell me is is pretty interesting. And it centers around, and a lot of the audience will remember us talking about a person named Hot Lips, which is Mike Torigno. And I found out why they call him Hot Lips. And wouldn't you know, it's because they like to, apparently, allegedly, and by the way, this episode is also brought to you by the letter A. A is for allegedly. Okay, Sesame Street fans, you know what I'm saying? That Mike Torigno allegedly is a person who loves just talking shit. They call him hot, hot lips because the things that he says go right from that volcanic mind of his, I guess, right out of his mouth. There is no filter, and he just says it. That's why you can tell there's no anti-slap legislation in Alberta because he says things like, and he said this to me several times in several emails, I sue for sport. Tough guy. It's just, and And... Yeah, David, can you give me, I, I want you to take away your personal feelings for a second. Let's not talk about the stuff or the urine. That sort of speaks for itself. Um, and sorry for the cross-sensory confusion when I say this, everybody, but the urinating was just the appetizer. There is a shit sandwich coming down the line, I can assure you, and it's going to be wonderful. But David, give me an idea of the way that these people operate from what you understand and what would, what, what would cause someone like Mike Torigno to a restaurateur to allow and spread himself the idea that he is peeing on children's toys um, and still able to hold on to a reputation in Calgary. Why is it likely that he probably could survive something like that? Well, because they're bullies and, um, you know, since this summer, I've been receiving messages from sock puppet accounts um, and then DMs from the same sock puppet accounts claiming, hey, it's me. You know, this is it's Mike. And I say, put your name up. If it's you, put your name up. Just put your name up or give me a call. You can make a collect if you like. Um, just put your name up um, since you sue for sport, as you say. Um, so I don't know if I'm talking to Mike Trigno. I don't know if I'm talking to Jonathan Dennis. I don't know if I'm talking to Jonathan Dennis holding his hand up somebody's ass and manipulating him like a puppet. I don't know who I'm talking to. And I do know that real men don't handle their business this way. So how you've gotten away from it or get it, gotten away with it in Calgary for so long, I don't know, because this is baffling to me i mean these are guys if they stumble into a men's room i mean they must be whistling stranger in paradise it's just i've never seen such cowardice in my life it's it's actually uh, nauseating yeah and it's mischievous i think Nause because the, you know the things that mike trigno is saying okay so let, let's just let me just do a little quick checklist because we don't know if it's him Right. That's another thing. Well, the first email I sent was to uh, that, that I received was definitely from Maurizio's Maurizio Torigno's email. I don't know any Maragio, Maurizio, whatever. I don't know him. I don't want you to take it easy on the Italian thing. Okay? Fuck about him. Take All it, I take know is easy. that these people need to come out of the woodwork and have the power, the courage of the convictions. If you're men, 
put your names on things. Right. Um, so anyways, Mauricio Torigno, who's Mike's brother, did send me an email saying that, you know, it was them that pissed on it. That was from his email address. Everything I've gotten since then is from a, a, a Proton Mail account. And the Proton Mail account, um, the, the account actually, it's called Acadia Tips. I don't care. Acadia Tips at Proton. Yeah, where Jonathan got his hair done, Acadia Hair Tips. Well, it's actually named after the neighborhood that a lot of these fixers um, and operatives and politicians and staffers grew up. And like that's, what makes it, that's what makes it kind of interesting. Also, the, the mischief part, though, is that um, they, they want, they definitely are very, very keen on making sure I understand that allegedly... Maurizio and Mike are the ones that peed on the, on the stuff. They were very, very adamant about this. Um, and, you know, I think that if we take them at their word, which is hard, but if we do, um, they also said that Jonathan Dennis did remove your stuff. There was a court order that was in place at the time where you had 30 days and the 30 days was not even close to being up. When, according to the landlord and to Mike Torigno, former attorney general, Mike, or Jonathan Dennis, uh, removed your items without your permission from the house that you were staying at, that you were locked out of, but you still had 30 that. days. Hope you enjoyed but, it. And, and you know, they, they, so they implicate Jonathan Dennis in what seems to amount to a crime of theft. And then Jonathan Dennis um, must have at some point given the, the uh, furniture and the toys to Mike Torigno, allegedly. And where Mike and Maruzzo allegedly peed all over them. Um, again, I'm always dumbfounded when when I get to that part. But let's quickly kind of try to move on because then he tried to throw notorious political bagman Alan Hallman under the bus when I asked Jonathan. De See, this is another one of those questions. Hey, Jonathan Dennis, did anyone receive any compensation? Did the landlady receive any compensation during that time? And then 20 minutes later, I get an answer from not Jonathan Dennis, but Mike Trigno saying, the landlady did receive money. I just thought of this now for no reason whatsoever. And it uh, it came from Alan Holman. And they did mention another person, which I will not mention on this podcast, but they, they mentioned another person as well, um, which is which is a ridiculous scenario. Actually, I think I can sort of, uh, without saying the name, they mentioned the person who was allegedly um, assaulted by a sitting Calgary counselor. Let's just put it that way. And that is the part where I was like, you know, these people are, are playing are playing games. Now, is the game, you think, David, that they want us to libel them? Do you think that they're trying to get us to say something that they can use to litigate? Obviously. I mean, it's uh, ridiculous. If you have something to say, then say it. I mean, to accuse Alan Holman of something like this. Listen, I think Alan Holman is guilty of, of I know he's guilty of many things, again, um, because he hired me to do those things for him. However, um, to insinuate that Alan Hallman might be responsible, I find that highly unlikely. Hallman enjoys uh, telling people what he does to them. He uh, he has a little bit more of a backbone than Jonathan Dennis. He'll he'll say it to your face. Uh, one thing that I, I wouldn't accuse Alan Hallman of being is a coward. If he wanted to take care of his own business, he'd be more than willing to pick up the phone and do so or, or whatever. I don't think he'd hide and play uh, little games uh, like these three in romper room. It's my belief. Yeah. I could be wrong, but it, it seems out of character. It's just so fucking juvenile. Like it's just so ridiculously immature. And so I want to get back to that for a second, only because the sources that I have are like, no, you have no idea. Um, what Mike Torigno is all about. He is, he, this is what he does. It's a, it's a sport for him. He's giddy. Um, but then I heard something else. And I think if Mike Torigno is listening to this podcast, I think he might want to want, want to understand something. There are documents and um, communications that I've seen that where Jonathan Dennis is basically uh, remarking about, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, how the Torignos are, are like his puppets. And he refers to himself in certain circles as the puppeteer. 
And I'm not sure if Mike and Maurizio Torigno would be pretty happy about that if they if they knew that. Maybe they know that and they're fine with it. It seems a little beta male-ish for what I understand about the Torigno brothers. I, from what I understand, they 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 pride themselves on being alpha males. Um, but it, alpha males piss on people's properties. Some alpha males think that all an alpha male really is is just like sticking out your chest, and in this case their penis and, and peeing on things. Sure. Like, yeah, um, you know, bullies, out. you know, people that shove people into lockers that, that basically sounds what these guys are kind of all about. There's, there's a profound sense of arrested development inside the mind of a 40 or 50 something year old person who goes around peeing on toys. Like there, there's like, uh, you know, a Cobra Kai esque sort of, you know, vibe there. But when, it, when I think of stuff like that, but I wonder, though, how they would feel, seriously. And maybe you can just sort of speculate on this for a second. If they knew that Jonathan Dennis did refer to himself as a puppeteer in communications that I've seen and did kind of refer to the Trignos as basically as playthings. That's what they are, all of them. I mean, if Jonathan Dennis is uh, dialing in the numbers on these two dum-dums, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's... Uh... I've, I, again, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, uh, um, I've run across some fairly nasty people in my life, um, definitely overseas. Um, I mean, I've seen the real thing, and these guys are far from it. They're uh, they're like overgrown grade schoolers, and um, I guess I guess until somebody uh, somebody sets them in the corner, they're going to continue with this behavior. I, I've just never seen anything like it, James. It's uh, it's um, it's embarrassing to think that these people have their hands anywhere near the, the levers of, of, of government. Uh, I mean, these are people who count the premier as a personal friend, the premier of Alberta. I mean, this is, um, this is pretty scary stuff. I wonder what it means to be a friend of one of these people though. Like, you know, and maybe they all piss on each other in a circle. I don't know. Uh, maybe they love me. Maybe dark. that's what it is. Maybe, maybe you love me, Mike. Is that what it is? Or you, you love me, Mike? Is that why you piss on my things? Sorry, pal. I don't uh, don't return the favor there, huh? Cupcake. So, how about we answer some of the um, allegations that they've made against you? Um, starting, <sighs> Whatever. Starting with the fact that you, you uh, harassed their family. I, well, I I, sh I should do my due diligence. You know. Um, they he said that let, let's go down the list. So they said that you harassed their family. Can you speak? Can you can you just answer those charges? I, I don't know who their family are. The only one I'd heard about is this uh, this pig, this Drigno, the thing he asked for, this coward. Uh, that's the only one I'd I had any dealing with. I'd never heard of his brother there. Don't know who he is, don't give a fuck either. Piece of shit saying you stick on my things, right? So I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't know who your mommy or daddy is. And you know, I, I don't think that something like you has a mommy or daddy. But if they taught you to be this way, then fuck them. And uh, that's just what I say. You're a pig, sir. If you were the one doing this, you're a pig and a coward and a sad excuse for a human being. That's my yeah. opinion. If that's libel, then uh, um, then so be it. But uh, I think this. This guy, I'd never, never heard of his family. Don't give a fuck about his family. Yeah, don't he also laid a charge of racism against you. Racism um, what? Well, I don't know. I thought he was like Italian. Are, are Italians a protected this class? This guy's not Italian. Italian, Italian, Italian. I didn't know Italians that. have honor. This guy doesn't got no honor. This guy's a chooch. This guy's, no, this guy's not an Italian. He's a punk. Italian people have honor. They have dignity. They have balls. So this guy must have been uh, found in a cabbage patch or something. Because he ain't got none of any of that. No honor, no balls, no brains. Yeah, just, it's, worth, it's worth pointing out that uh, he also successfully sued uh, Mayor Nahid Nenshi. It's what tough guys do. They litigate. Yeah. We're burning and food. he did that. He he successfully sued Mayor Nenshi because Mayor Nenshi uh, referred to the Torigno family as mafioso and uh, to, another, no to another counselor. Um, he said that they were gangsters. I, I thought that there was no way either because, I mean, first of all, you know. People don't handle I, their I, business this way. And the mafia, as they say, certainly are not going to abide by people who piss on children's toys and dead kids. These aren't mafia. These yeah. are goofs. First class goof. 
I'm not going to say that word because, uh, you know, I just, I don't want to tempt any more people to, to, to try to find me. Um, but I hear you. I, I, you know, I understand what you're saying. It, it it seems a little odd that someone who's actually connected would, would be this public um, and, and this kind of frat house ish, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, unless your name is Fredo Corleone or something like that, you know, like that, that's a very Fredo thing to do. Again, men don't that. handle their business this way. And he speaks of men, something he'll never be. Right. Okay. Um, so here we are now trying to navigate this and, and, and another one of those mischievous emails. Um, and I did write about it because, you know, <laughs> it's too good. Um, he sent me an email and it said, I've hired Brendan Miller to represent me. Call him. He gave me Brendan Miller's number and um, I'm going to give him a call tomorrow and, and see if there's any validity to the, you know, that information, but Holy crap, how delicious would it be if we just speculate for a moment and we find out that that lawyer, um, Brendan Miller, AKA the hair club men or the, the, the just for men, um, fan club president, Brendan Miller, um, whose elbow patches often matches the hue of his beard. I don't know why he does that, but it's, uh, maybe he's trying to take a page out of Karima's book. Cause Karima always does a good job on matching her lipstick with her glasses and I think Brendan Miller honestly tries to give it the best college try to, to match his elbow patches with the hue of his beard. And um, I don't know, got to give him props, I guess, for, for, for giving it a go. But he, was, he just spent the last week and a half or whatever it's been um, watching his career slowly become dismantled piece by piece as he embarrassed the hell out of himself at the Emergencies Act public inquiry where I was tempted to think from day one when I first heard him speak that this was a plant by Justin Trudeau himself <laughs> who found a way to just give them the worst lawyer that they could ever imagine. He was censored or censured a couple times, I think. I don't know if that's the, the correct term, but um, he was kicked out. I have it on uh, some authority. I, I, I had a source that was in Ottawa and they said that the first time that Brendan Miller got kicked out of the courtroom before he came back in, that he was talking to Ezra Levant. And that's why when he came back in, he didn't stop. And that's why when he came back out, he did that press conference in the manner in which he did it. And then, of course, he was sued by, um, uh, by a law firm for, 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 for saying that uh, an individual had um, been undercover as like an Asian provocateur waving the Nazi flag so that the uh, so that the liberal media who are in cahoots with the Liberal Party, and that's actually true in a lot of cases, um, would have uh, ammo to uh, to use, um, you know, against the convoyers because they didn't give enough ammo themselves. Um, I, I think it's important to note, David, and, and I think you might agree on this, is that I, I actually don't have an opinion, to be honest with you, on the Emergencies Act hearing. I, I still don't really know if it was the right call or the wrong call. Um, I, I don't, at this point, really care anymore. I don't think that it made us a less free country. Like, I don't think right now we're less free because of that Emergency Act call. I think a, there were a lot of moving parts. I could easily see an argument for him not calling it. I can see an argument for him calling it. But it didn't take a lot of, um, you know, guerrilla videographer work to find examples of bad actors at the convoy protest. I also believe that there wasn't any attention placed on just regular people who were there. Uh, I think that um, <coughs> because we're polarized, we sort of painted the convoy um, like the group of people that were at the protest in Ottawa with one brush. And the weird thing is, is I know more than a few um, moderates and progressives that went, some of them just for curiosity, some of them uh, because they, um, some of them were vaccinated, 
but they didn't want to they didn't want the government mandating vaccinations or at least incentivizing people to the point where it didn't feel like a choice it felt like a mandate to to be vaccinated i guess is a better way of putting it i understand that argument too hi i'm steve yurko and i'm tara sands now available from maji media is our new podcast four kids flashback Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Uh, so so I, I do get it. I, I, I This is a, one of those, um, this is one of the things that disappointed me uh, about the uh, about the pandemic, there was several things, obviously, but one of them was it was a public health issue that exposed just how polarized we are and like made us so much more polarized to the point where um, I know people that haven't talked to their families uh, because of the position that they took on vaccines and on the pandemic. I know people that have gotten divorced because of that issue. I know people that have had relationships and who became estranged from their siblings you know, this is all sort of happened. So to, it is overly simplistic and a little condescending to say that everyone that was not at that protest is in the same bucket of craps. It's just not the way it is. There were bad actors there for sure. Um, there were also useful idiots such as Tamara Litch. Um, there were bumbling racists like Pat King. There was all these things. But all of that being uh, what it was, the people who represented the side of the convoys, of the convoy protesters, was that guy. And it did not bode well for, for the convoy protesters. So to have the person purporting to be Mike Tarigno telling me that they hired Brendan Miller to be the lawyer that they would use to sue you, David Wallace, and somebody else that shall remain nameless, is a ruse if I've ever seen one. Terrifying. Or Brendan Miller is as stupid as we all thought he was. Well, this is true. I'm terrified. I mean, uh, what they what they understand, or at least they should, uh, from the court documents that this uh, not-so-bright person who used to rent my house to me, um, which was arranged by Jonathan Dennis, um, the deposit for that house came from Alan Holman, that communications in the Klondike Papers. Uh, he sent it to me, I sent it to Jonathan, and uh, the lady got it, so we're all good. Um, but all of these people, they've they've admitted Jonathan Dennis uh, has been implicated by this woman in uh, documents that were submitted in a court. So I will be suing them for everything they got, and I will be pursuing criminal charges. I've been speaking with authorities in Ontario. Um, we are uh, approaching this. Um, expecting to have roadblocks put up by law enforcement in Alberta. And uh, we're not going to let the matter drop. So if this is their um, attempt at distraction, have have at her. Um, do what you have to do. But you're sick. And uh, the things that you did were crimes. And if this is, uh, this is your best and, and this is what you want to go, let's do it. Because I think I think all of Canada needs to hear exactly how disgusting and dire the situation has gotten uh, in Alberta. This isn't a political thing. This is this is a right and wrong thing. That's what this is. It's not liberal or conservative. This is: Are you a piece of garbage human being that pisses on children's toys, uh, who takes things that don't belong to you, or are you a, a decent citizen? It's not about politics, or at least it shouldn't be. Um. I'm just saying, if you weren't a person with a shady past, like if you were like a female politician, imagine if you were a female politician and someone stole your children's toys and posted a picture of them post-pissing on them. Um, they would shut down Ottawa. 
they'd have like you know and i'm not i'm not saying that like you know all i'm saying is that when you have a uh a little bit of a sordid past i think there's less of a likelihood that the media will be sympathetic and uh you know well since they refuse to print the truth the mainstream media or even investigate some serious allegations that have been broken not only printed but verified by independent press uh, outlets by canada land and now by uh, it's run on u.s media for goodness sakes that doesn't speak well to their character. And I still maintain to this day, I have more integrity in my toe than these politicians and business people I work for. Keep in mind, they're up front with their shining reputations, but I'm the guy they hire to go in and clean up the scene when they commit the crimes. So in terms of my shady past, if you only knew Canada, if you only knew um, the past of, of a lot of these individuals in politics. Yeah, you're the- Keep behind the curtain now. You're like the bookmaker in The Untouchables. You know, you're the guy that knows where all the bodies are buried. And they fear that. Um, and the media doesn't know what to do with you. They just don't. And by the way, um, and I've said this before on Dean Blundell's show, and probably on this show, I, I know that the liberals have reporters in their pockets at the Toronto Star, the Globe and Mail, places like that um you know i just know that to be true i have been in a room once and i've told this story before where a certain liberal lawyer who shall remain nameless wanted to show me and he was giddy too and that's the thing about this it it just it manifests in a different way um politicians, politicians are yeah i know you do politicians are like poisonous mushrooms okay it's still poison right but each each, uh, what do they call those, strains? It's just a little bit different. And trust me, I'm a shrooms expert. I, you know, the, the, there's the potency level sometimes is the same, but the experience is totally different. And when it comes to political corruption, holy shit, like you cannot take anything away from the liberals. Big hand, big hand of applause for the corruption of the liberals because um, we know about this too. So I'm sitting in this room and there's this lawyer there. And uh, for a week, he's been telling me about a certain story, and I don't want to give it away, so I'm not going to give away the story. Get, uh, a story that uh, he said would, would show up in the Toronto Star. And the day before, it was supposed to be printed in the Star. This is like, this is probably four years ago or something. He says, um, okay, James, tomorrow it's going to be in the paper. I sent um, a version that said such and such in the lead, in the opening paragraph. But uh, I want him to change it because he, I noticed he didn't use a certain adjective. And this is the adjective he wanted me to use. And he, showed, he told me what the adjective was. And I'm like, this guy's full of shit. Um, and then next day, lo and behold, uh, the, the, the opening paragraph had that adjective in it. It was also released at a time where the timing was perfect for the liberals. So what you have is reporters. And this is sort of like the Western standard is like the um, special needs version of this because they're so bad at it. But, you know, the, the idea that the publication is sort of becomes like an extension of the war room of certain political parties, right? Post Media is a great example of this with the Toronto Sun. Um, you know, they are uh, part of the media wing of the Progressive Conservative Party. And I'm sorry, that is not uh, a bias that's saying that. That is actual, you know, that, that's just a fact on the ground. And, and, they, and they have distributed sort of like a pamphlet or whatever you want to call it, like an internal document uh, saying like, this is the way we want to cover these issues. And it's all conservative issues and it's all slanted well to the right. Like, uh, you know, and they are telling their, their marching orders basically. So this liberal then, um, you know, so it comes out and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. He's like, you want to see crazy? I'm about to tell him to make a change, a correction. And I'm like, fuck you, get out of here. He's like, no, I will. And then two hours later, he calls me. He's like, go check out the piece now. And, and lo, sure enough, I checked out the piece. And right at the bottom, it said an earlier version of this said this, but it's actually this. And I'm like, I'm like this is crazy. This is like I'm watching the dog, the, the, you know, the dog get wagged in a sense. Right. And so I, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because I don't want this to seem like a I love Trudeau, um, you know, telethon because it's not. I, and the reason why I'm even like going down that rabbit hole is because I, I spoke with someone else today who, uh, and, and, and I asked him, is it, is it possible that the reason why some stories might not be coming out because these would be politically beneficial 
to Justin Trudeau. All the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church stuff, beneficial to Justin Trudeau. All of this P-Gate stuff, beneficial to Justin Trudeau. Why? Because these are conservative Alberta politicians who all have connections to Pierre Polyev, the current the the uh, current leader of the opposition of the Conservative Party of Canada, including Jonathan Dennis. Correct? Isn't that terrifying? I mean, who cares who they? I mean, but isn't it terrifying that somebody, like I said, take the politics out of it? Isn't it terrifying though that this guy is connected to this crew of dum dums? That scares yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jonathan Dennis um, and Pierre Polyev, I never did fact check, fact check this. I mentioned it in the last episode. Of what year they, they happened to own, I think it was called 3D, the uh, the robocalls company that they own together. And they also own real estate together, from what I understand. Is that correct? I believe so. Okay. But we know for sure the business. They owned a, Pierre Polyev owned a robocalls business. And probably has had more issues with Elections Canada than any other person um, ha ever has. He was long rumored to be Pierre Poutine, who was the unknown person uh, inside the robocall scandal, you know, uh, that would uh, that took place a while, uh, many years ago where uh, robocalls were made to liberal voters to misdirect them and send them to different polling stations so that their vote wouldn't count in the election. Uh, which... Again, every time a conservative gets into a scandal, it always has something to do that's an affront to our democracy. I think it is so ingrained in the culture in that province. And I know this to be true from two people that have had issues with a lot of these cast of characters that are unable to come forward. They have thought about it. Um, and they are afraid it will ruin their life. They won't be able to get a job. They're afraid for the safety of maybe their children. They are afraid for the safety of themselves. And it is, it is a palpable fear. These people are not lying. And when you look up their stories, like you're, you're, you're wondering like, how like, can you not come forward? And when they explain all of the reasons why they're not going to, you almost like, not almost. You, you you get it. You understand. Yeah, you don't want to people... go to the cops in that place. Bought and paid right. for. The, it, 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 a lot of people find it completely useless going to the cops because um, there are people that say that 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 these people that swim in that murky political ecosystem where dirty tricks are played and and operatives are used that they basically own the judiciary and they basically own the cops and they basically own the process and if you're the, if if they're that powerful and it feels like they are and i'm not talking about the terignos the terignos are sort of like you know the higher douchebags to do douchebaggy things right like they're not they're not like key players in the conservative movement or anything but the, they come in handy it appears to jonathan dennis who magically will find the questions that I'm only sending to him answered by he's the people that he has described as um, allegedly as sort of his puppets. Or is he you know, answering these himself? Who the hell knows? He's probably talking to himself these days. Either way. Um, it's brazen. And I know this crew is, uh, they double down on doubling down. That's your experience too, correct? Absolutely. It's uh mind-boggling comical um what would you be doing if you were advising jonathan dennis right now i'd advise him to uh to continue to do exactly what he's doing because i do intend of course to sue him so uh, if if these are the movies he's making then please continue making them um i thank you yeah wow it's terrifying to me that this man had his hands, uh, 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 you know, basically this guy was the top cop in Alberta. Um, that is, that is some scary, scary stuff. Mind blowing. Um, I'm a little uh, deflated by that idea. 
<laughs> it's almost like a hash dealer becoming premier of your province. Exactly. Wait a second. Exactly. <laughs> Hold on I mean, second. don't insult the premier of Ontario. Listen, compared to, I mean, compared to uh, uh, Jonathan Dennis, Doug Ford's a road scholar. You know, it's and that's not saying that. much. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's not saying much at all. The weird thing is that, uh, but you see, the, like the difference between Ontario corruption and Alberta corruption. Al Alberta corruption seems like almost like a frat house. Yep. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't actually seem like there's like like in Ontario the the corruption sort of manifests in such a way that the politicians are constantly hot trying to hide the. Um, the appearance of conflict of interest or the appearance of, uh, you know, profiting off something they shouldn't profit off of, or the appearance of giving people tips to buy certain types of land a year before they decide to take that land that's supposed to be protected. Ryan Lindley said it on another podcast on Dean's show where he's like, I'm sure it was just a coincidence that a bunch of developers bought a bunch of land that was supposed to be protected. And then a year later got completely lucky when there was a highway that was announced that would be built through that land that they bought that was originally protected. Obviously, yeah. that's just, they're just lucky. It's just, really lucky. It's just coincidental. But you know what they don't do? They don't email guys like me and are like, yeah, <laughs> I bought that land. Yeah, that's right. I buy, and I'll buy another fucking piece of land and make even fucking more money. You know, you know, wait till you see all the protected land I buy. If this was Alberta, that's how they would be. Yeah, and uh, one province, uh, you know, you mess around with the wise guys, you might sleep with the fishes. In Alberta, well, they might come pee on your kids' toys. Yeah. But what about all that other stuff I said? It's, uh, it's, it's exactly, it's true. And this is, uh, the level of sophistication, though, not exactly uh, top-notch in Ontario. They at least try to give the appearance of being organized in their crime. Uh, whereas in Alberta, it's just so blatant and uh, in your face. It's, it's actually comical. It's like all the school's bullies grew up and took, uh, took over government. It's, uh, it's insane. The fact that people in these positions would stoop so low as to actually um, using online stalking and harassment, um, basically name calling, throwing, uh, uh, tracking somebody's children. I mean, these are, these are, this is a sick situation. This is, this is an absolute disgrace that needs to be sorted out right now. I mean, it's, uh, it's been going on far too long. It's time to, it's time to clean up your backyard, Alberta. That's it. And if you guys won't do it, then I'm going to do it. That's it. Yeah. It needs to be cleaned out. The place is a rat's nest. And these, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I knew. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, they're just. You're, you're right. It's 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 Larry Curley and Mo uh, running a criminal syndicate. It's it's it's. Uh, <laughs> it looks bad. It looks bad to the rest of Canada, who's getting a gander at it now. Yeah, I wrote recently about how um, McLean's once uh, in I think it was 2010 put out a cover story calling. Uh, I think it just it had the Benum Dinesh. Um, and uh, it said the most corrupt province in the in Canada, and the implication was just obviously Quebec. And at the time, it was probably right. John Charest was testifying at a at a at a hearing about political cronyism, and uh, and then even the Bloc were like trying to protect um, the reputation, the sterling reputation of the fine French politicians, even though I'm using a very English <laughs> accent. <clears throat> That's my Will Ferrell English accent, I guess. Um, but you know, at the time they were right, a and now I, 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 when I wrote that, that that it's it's now the most corrupt province. Someone like uh, respectfully, I'd like to correct you. It's not run, you know, the way Quebec runs, or it's more run like a cartel, <laughs> like a Mexican cartel. And I was like, I don't know if that's true because they. Well, it's true. But they're acting like the internet doesn't exist or something. Like well, they haven't, they, they haven't, I mean, why? It, I always thought that if you're going to be corrupt, you had to be kind of smart. And I'm totally like losing that idea. Like, am I, is that because I watched too many movies? Like I thought corrupt people had to be like clever. 
Mm -hmm. Well, you're, you, you have a very unique set of circumstances in Alberta. You basically had one party rule for the last 40 years, a few blips on the radar. Um, but these people are entrenched in, in uh, key positions of power. Uh, they've stacked the judiciary. They've uh, um, compromised the uh, policing. They've uh, basically, with the luxury of, of heavy profits in the oil and gas industry, um, they've been able to buy their way out of a lot of situations and uh, they've basically become a uh, one-party outlaw state. So it's uh, it's a mess. Okay. I'm, uh, we have a comment from Michelle DeCorby. Time to quit talking about it and do the thing. Clean it up or go away. This talk, talk, talk about piss is a talking point as well. Go ahead. Do you want to address that? And you should just address it as if it was anyone because... Uh, I, I find I, I find that comment to be a little ridiculous, but go ahead, Dave. I, I can't make heads or tails about it. I, I would love to personally speak with these individuals about that uh, very issue. However, um, that's impossible because these individuals won't even stand up and, and put their names out. Like if call into the show, if you did it, you did it. Is it Dennis pretending to be you or are you shielding Dennis? Look, you know, we got your IP addresses. You know that we know where the bloody post originated from. That's all going to come out anyway. So just pick up the phone. Hold on come a second. On. Michelle DeCorby just wants to add, I'm a, I'm a gonna tell you something soon. <laughs> so I'm a gonna tell you something soon. Okay. Um, and this is the kind of thing like, like I, I don't know how anyone could hear these stories and just be like, why don't you, you know what she just asked us to do? Okay. Well enough talk guys go into this province where um, embedded in the political culture is a sense of entitlement and hubris and clean it. God, she makes it sound like it's like wiping the windshield. Oh, man, we're almost done. Bit by bit, they're falling. Bit by bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we'll end it there. Uh, because uh, otherwise we're going to get a little redundant. And maybe we already are. Maybe Michelle DeCorby has a point. You know, could be because, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to do these podcasts and I'm trying to make all every podcast that I do about Alberta politics and the corruption and everything to be unique from the one previous. But, you know, maybe uh, may, maybe she's right. Maybe we got to start being more solutions based. Um, so, you know, there's uh, probably a lawsuit or two coming up for them that they'll have to defend themselves for. Not from me, but from you. Um. And I think that's a, a path worth pursuing for you. There are other stories that hopefully are coming out soon. There, there are stories that I am that I that I have that um, I can't write about yet um, because my source is not willing to come forward. Um, there's there's two or three of those, and uh, you know, I there, there are certain things that I know that I can't share because of that, um, and. But let me just say this. This is tip of the iceberg stuff. You know, um, the whole thing about what they did to you and your kids' toys and stuff like that is like a caveat that is super important. But at the end of the day, um, the things that are happening uh, that are grinding people literally to dust, people that are afraid to, to talk, people that are afraid to come forward, people that are afraid. And there's numerous people like this that, that, you, that I know. Um, that are, are too afraid. And this is why sort of like the corruption keeps happening. And I'm, I am in no way blaming the people that are not coming forward. But look what happened when you came forward. You know, when you came forward, I know that it doesn't seem like enough to you. And to me, it probably doesn't either. But when you came forward, um, you know, the press progress piece came out, the CBC piece came out, Ratfucker came out. I've been doing millions of podcasts on this kind of stuff. So it, like tens of thousands, if not hundreds, probably more like hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even a million um, after Ratfucker, because I know a lot of people had eyeballs on that, know about a lot of this stuff. And and it's not really up to like civilians to do anything about it. It really isn't, unless they know of firsthand information. They might want to go and protest something and put their sign up in the air. But let me tell you, in Alberta, that's not going to get you anywhere. Nope. A protest will not do it. Seriously. Um protests i i would rather see people protest the plymouth brethren christian church than i would like the alberta legislature i just think that they have more shot of, of actually doing something 
So just to answer your question, Michelle DeCorby, um, it's a fine question. I was just kidding before. I'm, I'm not actually bothered by it. It's a fine question. It's a good question. Uh, the answer to your question is that it's notoriously difficult to try to break a cycle of corruption when it's been embedded in some place for a half century. It is not, it's not easy. Uh, and we are doing our best. And uh, we have the receipts for a lot of these stories, um, not just this one, but other ones. And mainstream media just, for whatever reason, doesn't want to take it on. So um, I think your beef might be more with mainstream media than with me. Um, we are trying our best, um, but you know, I, I will take uh, I will take your point and say that maybe we have to try a little bit harder, and so we will. Um, David Wallace, thank you for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. Tally Hill. Um, I didn't really let David get a lot of words in edgewise that time, but. I did sneak in a picture when he was in in between wardrobe changes. So for all the ladies, there he is. Every romance novel cover from 1986 to 1989 is represented in that photo. You're welcome. I know. You appreciate that. Tomorrow. And please stop sending me fucking emails telling me that I'm platforming a Nazi. Okay. Like, I am so honestly tired of typing the words fuck you to all of these emails that are like, why are you platforming that person? I don't understand. Like, do you like Nazis? Is that what it is? Do you like Nazis? God. Um, that's how every one of those people sounds. Like, like the guy who used to say, I wish my brother George was here. That guy? That, they all sound like that to me. Why are you platforming a person who's an actual Nazi? You should be punching them right in the face. That's what you do with Nazis. You don't platform them. Um, I just want to say this one last time. I do not recognize the term platforming. I, I think that we used to call it interviewing. Um, interviewing someone is not an endorsement of that someone or their ideas. It is just interviewing. I would literally interview anyone as evidenced when I interviewed Chelsea Hillier. Um, I actually like Max Bernier, so I'm not going to use him as an example uh, because I separate ideas from people. Uh, and I'm having Christine Anderson on. She's an EU She's a European parliamentarian uh, for a party called the Alternative for Germany Party. They are basically the People's Party of Canada, but the German version. A lot of the same issues are their core issues. They want to basically put a cap on immigration. They're more drastic, though. Um, you know, I think uh, Max Bernier wants to cap it at like 125, 125,000 a year. Uh, Germany is significantly lower. I know that they've protested uh, things that have to do with Islam. And I know that uh, they have interesting views uh, with the Russia-Ukrainian thing. Full disclosure, although I, I feel that you, the, the country of Ukraine got invaded uh, by a much bigger power. I'm on Ukraine's side. But I do understand the politics a little bit. And if someone were to say something to the effect of, I don't like what Russia is doing, but I don't really like the sort of uh, prop, the war propaganda on the other side, I would understand that. Um, Alex, that makes an appearance on the Dean Blundell show, that to me is uh, the meat and potatoes of everything I want to hear about in the Ukraine war on the Ukraine side. How are civilians doing? How are they handling it? How does it feel to be invaded by power like that? It's awful. So Russia is definitely bad actors here. And, but Ukraine has its, um, you know, the geopolitics on the side of NATO and Ukraine isn't just like, wow, it's infallible. Everything that they do is so amazing. It's, it's not like that. Uh, the GQ photographs that, um, that Zelensky took with his wife, where they posed like they were fashion models in front of like buildings that were, blown up and you know mangled metal and tanks and stuff really awful i, I just thought that was another wag the dog moment that I, I i find it condescending so 
you can have views that are that are not like, yeah, Ukraine's the greatest and Russia's evil. You can have a view that is like, well, I don't really want to like neutrality isn't necessarily a bad thing for some countries. Even I heard a, a European parliamentarian, uh, Claire Baines, I think her name is, who actually someone that was on the show. Uh, it was actually Brian Trotje who who posted something uh, after I posted about Christine Anderson. Uh, he posted about this Irish par- parliamentarian. I forget her name right now. Um, but she was like a, like a firebrand and she's a socialist. And she was saying, I think we need to stay neutral. Uh, you know, I think that uh, staying neutral doesn't mean that we endorse Russia. It means whatever. My, my whole point, sorry about the rant, but my whole point is that I, I can interview Christine Anderson and, and not have to feel like I am endorsing her views. But I also want to understand them better um, by hearing it from from her mouth. Uh, one of the things that I, I like about doing this show is that uh, I don't have to ask people like Max Bernier and Chelsea Hillier and Christine Anderson and whoever else. Uh, I don't have to ask them questions the way that the press would. You know, like you ever you've seen reporters where you can just tell that someone handed them a note or told them or you know. Uh, got in their ear just before the interview. Listen, you, you don't want to show that you're on their side. You want to be tough. You want to ask the question like this, and you want to make put assumptions in your questions to make them feel like they're racist or misogynist or homophobic and all that. I don't do that. I don't think it's like helpful to do that. I think all it does is put people on the defensive. And uh, so when I ask her about her immigration policy, I want the lay of the land first. You know, how... And one of the questions that I'm going to ask her, and, and I'm going to, and I ask every far right politician this question, because I think it's 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 worth an uh, an honest answer. It's not that Max Bernier, for example, it's not that on the face of it, 125,000 new immigrants a year is is racist. It's not. But if you are a racist chances are you're going to vote for the people's party of Canada because their immigration rate is the lowest. And I like to ask those politicians questions like, how do you handle knowing that there is a portion of your voting block that is voting for you because they feel your policies best represent their bigoted views? And I just like to know, uh, and no one really answers all that honestly, but I feel like, uh, you know, the Max Bernies of the world, maybe the Christine Andersons of the world, I don't know. I, I don't know yet. Feel like a vote is a vote is a vote. So it's not like they um, cre- craft policies uh, motivated by racism. But when they explain their policies, they certainly don't go out of their way to take a break for a moment and and quietly and temporarily pivot to a point, by the way, if you agree with these policies and you have an ethnocentric or racially bigoted viewpoint of the world, I actually don't even want your vote, okay? Because that's not the intention or the thrust or the spirit of this platform initiative. So you guys can go fuck yourselves and let the grownups talk. It would be nice to see a, see some of that, uh, in this country, if Max Bernier did it that strong, that strongly, you know, uh, then for the next two or three weeks, Pierre Polyev would be quietly saying things that would be trying to woo them to his party because it is kind of a disease. Um, the the other side is kind of the opposite of that. They are uh, and, it, and it, they'd like to say that it's inclusivity and and they that an appreciation for diversity really is is telling people that vote for max bernier that they're racist because they most they vote for max bernier that's what the left does so they have a different style in how they just completely make something all about them and kind of unfair um it's a litmus test and uh and that's just the way it is i don't care which one's worse um it doesn't matter because if one is eight percent worse than the other or even 30 percent worse than the other they're both still bad things you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't have bigoted views and you shouldn't, um, you know, arbitrarily accuse large swaths of people of having bigoted views. So I think there's lessons to be learned all around. 
But the point is, I'm going to interview Christine Anderson. I think it's going to be a fucking entertaining interview. And I hope you guys like it. And if you feel tempted to email me afterwards and tell me how much of an asshole I am to platform this person, just remember that I think you're kind of an illiterate fuck for even sending the email in the first place. Because I don't actually think interviewing anybody is bad. I think the guy that interviewed Osama bin Laden won uh, a Pulitzer. So if Christine Anderson's worth than Osama bin Laden, then I guess that'll be good for ratings. I don't know. And then on the 29th, we have Karen Cleish. She is uh, an actress. She just has, she just got her own cookie show and she happens to be my brother-in-law, sister-in-law. So that should be fun. Thank you everyone for joining us and we'll see you next time on Black Ball. Black Ball. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we we the perfect perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on on the Dean Dean Blundell Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because Because democracy democracy is something something you do. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.